I mean, it doesn't really change. Every time I hear that song, like, I love it. Like, I dig it. I want to spin around. I want to flip the collar up, do a little move. But I have no dance moves, so then it would be kind of anticlimactic for all of you. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Connect. And let me explain to you why we're doing that. We started about a mm, year, year and a half ago. We started to take a look at our mission at Calvary Church and our values at Calvary Church. And the mission that we came up with, the mission that we desire to be at Calvary Church is we desire to be a church that continues what Jesus started. And we do that by living a life according to the values of connect and impact. And what we say is, is that as we connect with God and he impacts our lives, we are then sent to connect with others and impact the lives of others. And so what we wanted to do this whole summer was just focus on the value of connect. What we wanted to do this whole summer was provide opportunities for, for us to connect with each other and for us to dive into the Bible and take a look at what it means to connect with God and connect with others. And so if you've gone through this series, you would see this kind of back and forth, back and forth that's happening. One week we'll take a look at connecting with God. Another week we'll take a look at connecting with others. And it goes back and forth. And we'll do that all through the summer, and we'll do that as we head towards the fall. Well, we'll transition and actually take a look at impact. What does it mean for God to impact our lives? And then what does it mean for us to impact the lives of others? And so today we're going to continue that. We're going to take a look at connecting with God. But today we're going to take a look at connecting with God, the Father. And so before we kind of dive into that, I think it's important that we pause for a moment and take just a little lesson on some doctrine, on some doctrine of the Christian faith. And what we're going to talk about right now is the doctrine of the Trinity. We just sang about it a little bit earlier. We sang about it when we said, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. That is telling us the doctrine of the Trinity. And what the doctrine of the Trinity says is that there is one God, but this God exists in three persons. One God exists in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now that's kind of confusing and it's kind of uh, hard to kind of understand. And people have come up with different pictures and illustrations to kind of capture that truth. And so let me give you one of them here. Uh, some people have given an illustration of an egg. Okay, you have one egg, there is a shell, there's the egg white and the yolk. Three distinct parts, but one egg. Now this is a good illustration. It's okay, it's a good illustration, but it kind of is incomplete. You kind of can't fully grasp the Trinity with just an egg. It, it helps, but it's not enough. Let me give you another example. This is a shamrock. Now, it's not what McDonald's uses to make those delicious shakes. It's actually something that St. Patrick used when he went to Ireland as a missionary. He used this plant, and he showed how this plant is made up of three leaves. He said, while it's made up of three leaves, it's one plant. Three leaves, one plant. Another good illustration, but incomplete. The reality is, is that it is impossible for us to really give a clear illustration of the Trinity because we're not God. In our finite minds, we can only understand the doctrine of the Trinity to a certain extent. And if we were honest, at some point we have to say that the doctrine of the Trinity actually doesn't make sense to us completely. But just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it isn't true. 
Just because we can only understand it to a limited amount doesn't mean it isn't true. And it's actually foundational. It's one of those foundational truths in the Christian faith. That God exists as one God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand that as we take a look at our our study today, because we are taking a look at what it means to connect with God the Father. Now, oftentimes we'll talk about the Son, we'll talk about Jesus, oftentimes, but sometimes we, we need to spend some time looking at God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to take a look at God the Father. What are some of the attributes of the Father, and what are some of the aspects of living a life connected to the Father? Okay? So this is going to be a little bit different today than normal. Usually we'll take a passage and we'll take a look at the whole passage. Today we're going to look at a lot of different verses in the Bible as we take a look at the Father. So let's jump into it. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you a Bible. We believe that the Bible is filled with life-changing truth. So we want you to have one. We'd love to give you a Bible for free. But we're taking a look at John chapter 3. Now, this verse is a verse that if you've been coming to church, you may have heard of it. You may have heard of it. You may hear it often. But it's a verse that we need to be reminded of the beauty of its truth over and over and over again. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The first thing that we need to know about the Father is this. The Father is a God who loves. The Father is a God who loves. Now, some of you may be sitting there and you're like, yeah, we know that already. Yeah, we know that. That, That's nothing new. Well, I'd like to pause and just say, but but do we? Because I want to make sure that we know that. I want to make sure that we know that God loves us. I want to make sure that we know that and not that we're just familiar with that statement. Do we really understand that God loves us, that God loves me, that God loves you? Because if we understand the truth that God loves us, that changes everything. That is the foundation for everything we're going to learn today, that God loves you. And one of the main things that we need to understand is that when you say a phrase, when you say a sentence, depending on how you use emphasis, actually gives you a different aspect of the statement. It gives you a different part of the truth of it. And so when I tell you that God loves you, I want you to understand that you are loved by God. But when I say this, God loves you. I want you to understand who it is that's loving you. God, the creator of the universe, this amazing God, God loves you. God. Do we understand what it means when we say that God loves you? One of the things that we need to understand when we understand that God loves us is this. The Father is a God who is holy. The Father is a God who is holy. What holy means is that God is set apart. He's completely perfect. There is none like God. He is completely holy. Here's why that's important. Here's why that's important. God is like no one else 
that you could ever meet. In fact, in 1 Samuel, it says this, 1 Samuel chapter two, it says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. There is no one holy like the Lord. You can meet no one like God because no one is holy except for God. And here's why that is amazing. Because if God is set apart, if God is perfect, if there is no one like God, then God's love is holy. God's love is perfect. God's love is set apart. And the reason I want you to understand this is this, because when we talk about connecting with God the Father, depending on your relationship with your earthly father, that may or may not give you different pictures. You may have had a wonderful relationship with your dad. I just want you to understand that no matter how great your dad loved you, it does not compare to the love of God the Father because no one can love like God the Father. God's love is perfect. All other love is actually imperfect. But maybe your father wasn't around. Maybe he was absent, and so this concept is foreign to you. Or maybe actually your father was around, but he caused you harm or he caused you hurt. That love that you longed for, that love that you thought should have happened to you, the love that you kind of saw as this ideal is the love that God the Father shows times infinity. God's love is perfect. If God is a fa- if the Father is a God who loves and the Father is a God who is holy, what we need to understand by that is that his love is also holy. I took a lot of time to kind of set that stage because what we're going to talk about today is actually pretty difficult. What we're going to talk about today might not be easy to hear. You see, the third thing that we need to know is this. The first thing was that the Father is a God who loves. The second thing is the Father is a God who is holy. So if God is holy, then his love is holy. If God is perfect, then his love is perfect. We need to understand that because of the next thing that we're going to learn. The Father is a God who disciplines. The Father is a God who disciplines. Proverbs 3 Verse 11 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. The father is a God who disciplines and that can be a little bit difficult to understand, a little bit difficult to accept, a little bit difficult to grasp because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be disciplined. It doesn't feel good to go through those difficulties. It doesn't feel good to go through hardships. There's consequences to our sin, and there's that aspect of discipline. But then there's the global aspect of discipline, of difficulty in life that results as a result of just the fallen world that we live in. And when we look around, we try to grasp of all these things that happen and all these difficulties and all these hardships, and we say, how does that make sense with a God that's supposed to be loving? It's hard to grasp. But the Father is a God who loves, and the Father is a God who's holy, which means that his love is perfect. His love is free. His love is pure. His love is free from malice. So his discipline is also perfect. 
His discipline is also pure. His discipline is also free from malice. This verse that we just read in Proverbs is actually mentioned again in the Bible. Proverbs is in the Old Testament. It's the first half of the Bible. It's actually mentioned again in the second half, in the New Testament. And when we go to the New Testament and read it in the book of Hebrews, we see something pretty amazing. In the book of Hebrews, we read this. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, nor true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Endure hardship... As discipline, God is treating you as his children. Going through hardship, we are supposed to recognize it as God treating us as his children. That doesn't make sense at all. I have to be honest, that doesn't make sense at all. That doesn't feel good. But just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it isn't true. You see, we can't pick and choose what we want to believe about God. We can't pick and choose what attributes we think are real about God. God is who he is, not who we say he is or who we think he is. God is just God. And if we look at what the Bible says, we see that God loves, that the Father is a God who loves Not only is he a God who loves, but the Father is a God who is holy. So he loves with a perfect love. He loves loves with a love that is free from malice. He loves with a love like none other. And the hardships we go through are the result of a God who is in control and who loves us like his children. 
That is wild. That is hard to grasp. That is difficult to accept. Enjoy hardships because God is treating us as his children. How does that even work? Why is that even the case? What is the purpose of that? Did you notice at the beginning of that passage we just read, there was this, there was this thing that was going on with running this race, with persevering, because you have to run this race. When, when, when we read that whole thing about God's discipline, there was also this discipline of running the race. What's the, what, why was that there? What's going on with that running the race? What does it mean to persevere and run that race? I was able to go away with my wife recently uh, for our 21st anniversary. We went away, and, and uh, while we were away, we went on a date. And my wife thought it would be a great idea to go on a date and go for a hike. Who does that? We go for a hike, and not only do we go for a hike, as we're going up this hike, we pass three signs. Each time we pass the sign, I read the sign, and it says, Danger. You are at risk of serious injury, if not death. This is so romantic. My wife is taking me on this, on this trip, of this, this dangerous trip. So we go up this hike. We go up and we hike and we hike and we hike. We get up to the pinnacle where we get to and we walk out and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's this, this cliff right in front of us, this, this complete drop. But what's in front of us is this beautiful canyon. It's amazing. But the hike wasn't done. Because as you got to that, that was only like, like two-thirds of the way through. Because you had to keep walking uh, from that point to get to a waterfall where you could swim in the pool. On, it was beautiful. That's the romance. You're going to swim in the pool under the waterfall. That's where it is. And so I'm looking around. I'm like, where do we have to walk to to get to this waterfall? How do we continue on? And I realized, because someone else had just walked, and I said, where do we have to go? And they point, and it's this little path right on the edge of the cliff. This small path right on the edge of the cliff. And what you need to know about me is this. I'm a chicken. I'm not brave at all when it comes to this stuff. I'm scared of heights. Oh, it's really bad. But I know, I know that my wife wants to get to this waterfall. And I know that if I could just persevere and keep walking, that I would get to this thing that is like none other. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I know that. And so, so I look over there, and I was like, Jen, let me go just, just see. Maybe it opens up a little bit more because I, I wanted to pretend like I was courageous. And, and so I'm like, you wait here. You wait here. I'll go over there. My knees are shaking. My heart's pumping a million miles an hour, and I'm walking over. And there, that, that path is like this. It's, it's tiny, and there's just cliff right down. And I'm like, I'm going over there. And then I slip before I get to that path. And I fall onto the ground. And I get up and I look at my wife and I'm like, oh, but we got to persevere because we got to get to that waterfall. And then I look at that cliff again and I'm like, nope. We're not doing that. And I turned around and I said, we're not doing that. And she was like, good, because I thought you were crazy because I didn't want to do that either. <laughs> and so we turn around and we, start and, we're, and we start giggling and laughing as you do when you go through something that you're nervous about. And we start laughing and giggling as we're going by. And she goes, this will be a great illustration one day when you preach on running the race. Ironically. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, that's a great illustration. You know, how you have to, we couldn't get to that waterfall. We couldn't, because we couldn't persevere. She goes, yeah, running the race, you, you couldn't finish the race. 
And I'm like, yeah, it'd be a great illustration. And as I'm walking, I'm like, no, that's absolutely the worst illustration. But it's exactly how we picture that passage. It's exactly how we picture all of the passages about perseverance and running the race. Somehow we came up with this idea that running the race is based off of our own skill sets. It's based off of our own strength. That somehow if we can muster up the courage, if we could muster up the own, the own discipline, then we could somehow get to that finish line based on our own skill sets, our own abilities, our own strength. That is the wrong way to read that passage. That is not perseverance. Do you want to know what perseverance is? Perseverance looks like this picture that's going to be shown up on the screen. That's perseverance. This is Dan Simrak. He's a good buddy of mine. His son got tired by the end of the day when they were walking. So what did Dan do? He picked him up and held him in his arms. Perseverance is when you get to the point when you can't go any farther. So you turn to the arms of the father. Perseverance is when you get to the point where life has beaten you so much that you cannot go any farther, but all you can do is raise up your arms and have the Father scoop you up and carry you. Why are hardships the result of a love? Because hardships cause us to run to the Father. Hardships are what are the, are the biggest thing that causes us just to run into his arms so he can hold us close exactly where we're meant to be. Running the race isn't about our skill sets. Running the race isn't about how much I know. It's about who I know. Perseverance is about knowing God and running to him. You see, when it comes to finishing the race, it isn't about knowing my limits. It's about knowing the Father. It's about knowing God. And you see, when we go through hardships, when we go through those difficult moments, when we go through things that we can't understand, when we go through things that I'm like, this hurts. We run to a God who is like none other. I'm going to pause for a second because I want to, I want to go back to that, that, that God who is like none other, but I want to stop for like a brief theological lesson, okay? When it comes to the attributes of God, okay, this is a kind of a commercial. Here we go, a commercial. When it comes to the attributes of God, they're broken up into two categories. They're broken up into communicable attributes of God and incommunicable attributes of God. Those are big seminary words. They're more like Charles words than Carlos words, to be honest with you. Charles will use those words. I'm going to explain those words. Communicable attributes of God are attributes that we can also express. We can love. We can discipline. Those are communicable attributes of God. But there are other attributes of God that only God can have, that no one else can have those attributes. I'm going to give you some of those attributes. God is omnipotent. That mean, means he is all-powerful. No one else can have that attribute, only God. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. No one else can have that attribute. Only God can. God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere. He is with us everywhere. No one else has that attribute. Only God can have that attribute. Here's why that's important. When I say that we go through hardships, and the way we go through hardships is because we know the Father. We know God. 
understand who it is that I'm saying that we know. Understand who God is when we say that we can go through this because we know God. Because when we get to the point that I cannot go any farther, that life has completely beaten me down, and I'm like, how do I move farther? The only thing that I can do is say, it's because I know God. I know God. And the only way you can do that is if you know him. So the question is, do you know him? Do you know this God I'm speaking of? Because if you've gotten to the end of your limits, if you've gotten to the point where you've just been beaten, if you've gotten to the point where just life has completely crushed you, whether it's, it's your health, whether it's something happening with your children, whether you've just gotten to the point that you're just like, I cannot go any farther. Let me explain to you the God who I'm talking about. The God who I'm talking about is omnipotent, which means he is all powerful, which means anything that we are facing, he is stronger than. Do you know him? Because if you know him, then you can continue to persevere. Do you understand that when we go through life and we get to a point where just life is hitting us and we don't know what's going to happen next, when we're filled with anxiety, when we're filled with worry, where we don't know where the next paycheck's coming from, when we get to that point, do you know the God that I'm speaking of? Because that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He wrote your story before you entered the story. He knows everything everything, and he's in control. Do you know him? Do you know that God? Do you know that God when you are at that moment where everyone seems to have abandoned you, and you feel completely alone, completely helpless, and you feel like everyone has someone, but you have no one? The truth of the matter is, is that God is omnipresent, and he's right there with you. You are not alone. God is with you. Do you know him? Do you know this God? Because if you don't know this God, I'm going to tell you how you can know him. I'm going to tell you how you can know him. Because the last thing that we're going to learn today when it comes to God the Father is this. The Father is a God who is known through Jesus. The Father is a God who is known through Jesus. John 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The Father is known through Jesus. This past week was Kid Fest, and Dave Walters taught. Dave Walters is one of our pastors here at Calvary Church, and he was teaching. And what he said to the kids was this, that the gospel is easy as A, B, C. And what he said was that, A, admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you've done something that God doesn't want you to do or that you haven't done something that God wants you to do. Admit that you're a sinner and that there is a consequence to that sin. Then he said, B, B is believe that Jesus is the only way to satisfy that sin. And then C, choose to follow Jesus. That's it. That's the message of the gospel. There are no hoops to jump through. When it comes to the gospel, there are no hoops to jump through. There is only Jesus. And when you get to Jesus, you get to the Father. You know the Father through Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. So when you go through the hardships of life and you're like, how do I continue on? 
run to the arms of the Father. And the reason you can run to the arms of the Father is because of the Son, because of Jesus. But now hold on. If you know the Father, there's one more thing you need to understand. Because if you know, you're expected to grow. If you know, you're expected to grow. We're expected to grow in our relationship with God. We're expected to continue to grow as we connect with the Father. Just as in any relationship, you need to invest in that relationship and grow in that relationship. We need to continue to invest in our relationship with the Father and grow in that relationship. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment for this week. I've got three things I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation, make an observation, and also practice multiplication. I want you to have a conversation, make an observation, and also practice multiplication. Here's what I mean. No relationship grows without conversation. No relationship grows without conversation. And just like my parents begin to feel it when I don't call them up on the phone and don't talk to them, we need to continue to have conversations with God the Father. And understand what I said here. I said conversation. I didn't say just talk to God. Because a conversation involves talking, but it also involves listening. Have a conversation with God this week. Don't just break out the list of, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Don't, you can give him that list, but just don't just do that. Don't just make him Santa Claus. Have a conversation. Tell him about your day. Tell him about your fears. Tell him about how you're doing. Have a conversation. God the Father is a real person, and he has a real relationship that he offers to you. This week, have a conversation with, go home tonight. Go home on the way. You can do it while you're driving home. Have a conversation with God. Talk to him and listen. Observations. Look for how God is showing up. And that starts by actually jumping into God's word, by actually jumping into the Bible. When you go into the Bible, you can see how God shows up. You can observe, you can make observations about how God shows up over and over and over again. And when you see how God shows up over and over and over again in the Bible, we begin to see how God shows up over and over and over again into our life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list. It's going to have two columns. One column is going to be for you to just look through the Bible and write all of your observations about how God has shown up. Pick a book in the Bible this week. Maybe Maybe it's the book of Acts. Maybe it's the book of Matthew. Maybe it's the book of Ruth. Pick a book. I don't care. Just pick a book in the Bible. Pick a book and then write down on one side all the ways you observe how God shows up in the story. On the other side, after you wrote that list, get ready because you're going to start to make a list about how God shows up over and over and over in your own life. You got to make the first list so you can recognize when he shows up in the second list. Make some observations. Finally, multiplication. Jesus gave us a command to go and make disciples. We are to be a church of disciples who make disciples, who then make more disciples. We got to keep multiplying. This week, do some multiplication. Talk to someone about Jesus. Go share the truth about Jesus. The reality is, is that God wants to know you. God wants to know you. If you do not know God, he has done everything so that you can know him. 
But if you know God, now you have been sent to go and help others know him as well. Multiplication, whether through word or deed, go and share Jesus with someone this week. This week. Conversation, observation, multiplication. Let's do that as a church this week and then let's stand back and be amazed at how God shows up and impacts not only ourselves, but those around us. Let's be a church of disciples who make disciples, who make disciples as we connect with God and he impacts our life. And we realize that we are sent to connect with others and impact the lives of others. And as we live lives, continue what Jesus started. Let us then turn around and run into the arms of the Father as he carries us into whatever it is that he has next for us. This God has done everything so that you could connect with him. Spend some time with him this week. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your love. And we ask you that you would allow us to just overflow with that love this week. I ask you that this church would be a church that is so consumed with your love that we cannot help but just go out and give that love to everyone else. And if there is anyone here who is going through our hardship, if there's anyone online who is going through our hardship, let them know they can run into your arms and that you love them with a perfect love. As they have just gotten to the point where they can't move any further, I ask you that you would scoop them up into your arms and you would carry them. Bless them. Be with us this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.